Hey guys, welcome back to the Waterlad Podcast. Honestly, how good has it been the last few weeks having these genuine superstars of our game coming on and openly sharing their stories and even today guys, guests do not get much bigger than him. But before we get to it, if you have been enjoying this podcast, please continue to share it. It is very much appreciated. Or if you listen to it on Apple, go give it a five-star review. Apparently that helps out heaps as well. But if you really love the podcast and you've got a business which is keen to to grow, then now is your chance as we are looking for sponsors to partner up with Waterlad for Season 3, which is going to be bigger and better than ever. A great opportunity for you to hit the ears of all the massive lads, male and female, from around the world who tune into this podcast. If you are keen, get in touch through waterlad.com or the Instagram page. But anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get to the real star of the show. Roll the intro. Today, guys, I'm honoured to be in the presence of greatness. Not only is he one of the greatest Hurricanes of all time, he's also been consistently one of the best players in the world where he has dominated the international scene with the All Blacks. But what really sets this lad apart is what he's done off the field. He's created a personal brand, he's hosted one of the best podcasts to exist, and he sells some of the best clothes on the market. He's even been his own agent where he's been able to sign himself on with New Zealand Rugby for another four years. This man is leading the way and inspiring many, including myself. It is the great lad, the very great lad, Adi Savir. Welcome, brother. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me on, my man. Sure, you know more than myself, then I know myself, bro. <laughs> Mate, you've just done so much in your career already, man. It's so cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm just grateful to be where I am today, bro. And just trying to trying to be me while I'm while I'm at it and be authentic. Um, so yeah, the process and the journey's been uh, been pretty cool so far. And what you've done around inspiring other athletes and other people uh, has been so massive, including myself. I remember when I was looking to set up this podcast, you were the one who really gave me the confidence to jump in because I remember hitting you up because I wasn't sure if it would be you know stepping on your toes or jumping into the same sort of space. And I remember you just giving me the full confidence to just go at it, get after it, and been enjoying it ever since. Bro, man, it's awesome to see you do jump on and do it. I remember the conversation and jumping the mics off to you. Yeah. You were staying in Lyle Bay. Yeah. Uh, man, it's it's awesome to see it's kicking off and, and the lads jumping on board. I think it's important too to have like a platform like you, bro. It's a safe space for us athletes to, to come. You know, if someone else was to ask me to jump on, I'll be more declined to to do it but when you have the also you know doing his thing <laughs> of course <laughs> mate obviously really appreciate that because like you're, you're a massive and you have been a massive influence for like I say a lot of people including myself but not just in the podcast world you've also recently just been your own agent signed for another four years yeah. talk to me about this whole process <laughs> bro it's um it was pretty crazy eh? like it started off as a thought and you know obviously you know you know, all players like myself and Petty, you know, we talk around like, you know, how players can be better and getting what they're worth and contract deals. And, uh, you know, I reached the point in my career where I was like, I experienced and kind of knew a lot of what went in on the contract and picked mm. up on what my agent was doing. And I thought, man, if it was a time to try and do it. It would be now, um, especially with the timing around how I was playing. And, you know, I had a lot of leverage to, to negotiate. Um, so 
talked to my wife. She wasn't really keen on it. She just thought I was being bots. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, I kind of just did it and yeah, went through the process, bro. I, I to be honest, I just wanted a seat at the table and to be able to hear the news from New Zealand rugby firsthand instead of having like a middleman to me um, do that. So it was more to have a seat at the table and actually like just fight for myself and really, which is hard to do because it's in, in our natural nature to not talk ourselves up yeah but in terms of negotiating your contract you kind of have to and that's something that i had to get comfortable with bro so yeah the process was mean um challenging as well but um like really kind of like glad i did it because i learned so much um just in that process did you always feel comfortable at the table and stuff when you're talking about your contract well like because we obviously would catch up at cafes with the dude that i was negotiating with and but before i'd get in i would like sit in my car and i'd be like okay <laughs> I like I like pray I like pray I'll be like Lord, give me the words and the wisdom. Go in there and and whatever happens, it's um it's your doing and it's whatever you want. So I went in there and then it it was just yeah it was just free flowing. And to be honest, the NZIU guys were actually really really kind of good because obviously they knew kind of new to negotiating it. So yeah, they made the process a lot easier and kind of better. But there were times where we uh, I challenged them and we pushed and. It got heated and um, yeah. it was the baits. So, oh. so yeah, bro, it was me. It was cool. That is cool. Did you have any other, other offers that you were bouncing between or was it just purely going with New Zealand rugby to start? Yeah, well, it was New Zealand rugby to start, bro. Um, we're happy here in Wellington. So yeah. it was more so getting that security and that and that bag while we can. Mm. And also this this stuff that I want to achieve here as well and the Canes jersey and, and the black jersey, if I'm lucky enough, so. Mm. There's always been ends at IU, bro, but kind of and around the super side, like obviously with Moana Pacifica, um, yeah, it was kind of like that kind of popped in my mind. And that's probably one of the reasons why I signed with the Kingston 23, just to keep my options open. Yeah. Mm. And what are, what other clauses have you got in the contract? Did you get right down to the detail? Any sabbaticals, any um, out clauses, any crypto? <laughs> bro, to be funny, towards the end, because to be fair, um, like shout out to my man was a he kind of when I was on end of tour I kind of went back to him and asked if he could kind of help me close the deal off and look yeah. at little the intricacies in the contract so he kind of helped close that deal yeah uh, but yeah pretty much I asked was in one of my one-off payments if I could have half in Bitcoin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like mate it's and I gotta be like no way I was like oh shit <laughs> at least I tried uh, but uh, yeah post post real cup in 24 I have a option to go and play offshore obviously in japan for for six months and yeah if that's an option um if i don't do that bro i i have an option just to take the whole super rugby off six oh, months okay. off yeah off footy um and just have a break with the family um so yeah a few options there bro which is which is pretty nice and i'm real privileged and honored bro to to actually have that Mate, you sound like you've absolutely nailed your contract. I love that. <laughs> Where was Artie Sevier, the agent, when I was playing? <laughs> oh, no. But, bro, like, to be honest, it only happened and I was only able to, to be able to negotiate just from talking to other players. Yeah. Because obviously with agents, they know who's on who, what's on mm. what. So they're able to, like, put you wherever where I didn't have that information. So a lot of it was around, like, Shout out to the boys that, that helped me along the way. I can't name them, but I kind of knew where everyone was at and where I kind of fit. And yeah. 
you know what I mean? So uh, not there, yeah, right at the top, bro. <laughs> nah, just <laughs> so nah, like those lads helped out as well. And it just shows bro, players when players start talking amongst each other in a safe space, it's the players have the power. That's so cool. And what talk to me about the video. That video I watched was one of the best watches I've seen. <laughs> Obviously, acting classes have been going well. Some of the best stuff. Oh mate. Lucky you're not at the cage at the video. I would have been, been ripped to shreds. No, I love that one. It was so good. <laughs> nah, but it was actually um I actually was inspired by Bobby Wagner. He's oh, a he's an NFL player. And he negotiated his contract and he did something similar yeah. when he announced his signing. So knowing me, mate, I was just like, I'm out the gate sometimes with my ideas. So I just like, fuck, I'm going to do it. Mate, so I just did it. So yeah. cool. How long did that take you to act out? Was it all sort of one take or did you have a few bloopers? In oh, there? Heaps. I, I was I was an MIQ, bro. So oh, yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cracked up. Um, I was kind of in a rush because... New Zealand rugby wanted to announce it. Hurricanes wanted to announce it. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to announce it first. Mm. So like, so I had to shoot all the content and I gave it to some of the boys to edit up. So a few takes, mate. A few sweats. <laughs> but it was all good. So good. It was worth it. One of the best watches you'll see if you haven't seen it already. <laughs> Go and watch that. So good. Also, a little bit about the agents. Do you think players can sort of jump into that role more often? Do you think more players should be their own agent? And do you think even the young yeah. guys should be able to get into this? Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Jabba. Like, I don't know about the young fellas yeah. because of obviously they need their help and guidance um, around that. But I think it's all up to the individual um, around it. Like, I've, since I released that video, I have guys that are at super or ITM level that have said that they've just negotiated their own deals as well. Mm. So that's awesome to hear. But just all depends on the, the timing. Um, but what I do encourage is players being more aware of what goes into the contract so they can question and challenge the agents yeah. um, around that instead of just the agent going, mate, this is a great offer, great deal. And you're mm. like, cool. And then just sign the dot by actually doing a bit of homework and understanding it, that they can go a long way. 100%. I hear so often from players that they're not happy with their agent and stories like that. Some guys don't even know what they're paying them, things like that. And you're just like, you've got to sort of educate yourself around this and sort of look after yourself yeah. first. Eh? 100%, bro. 100%. And it's like you have a contract and then you get another contract and it's like it doesn't even involve that much work, but agents still get a cut from it. So yeah. it's like... You know, it's asking the agent and, and challenging that, you know. And another space around the whole agent space is the NFT space, which is obviously growing a lot. Um, mm. It's going to be a huge part of, I think, rugby agents' work going forward in the future. Where, where are you at with your NFT? Have you, have you got one coming? I reckon you're, if my money's on one, someone to drop it first, it's you. Yeah, well, I, I actually um, signed with a company called Humble, who's an American-based company that are, like a web three uh, platform and it was initially like you know, less of it first but as the whole nft space has just kind of like come out there's a lot more to it than mm. you know than just bringing it out and, and making sure it's a cash grab um like talking to like dc and that like you want to build community and be smart around what you bring out so I'm, I'm in the process of trying to work towards something and bringing something out for for the fans and and for the collectors out there that love footy it's just i've uh, don't have a timeline yet, but but yeah, yeah, should be pretty cool, bro. And like you say, NFTs are the new space right now, man, and crypto. So yeah, it's pretty buzzy. 
Mate, that's exciting. And what you you talked about your community, but one thing you've done really well is build a really good community around your profile as an athlete. You've done things like uh, pre-season camps. You've gone for walks with your fans. Um, you've obviously got your clothing company, which is hissing and your podcast. All these things have sort of developed the community that you've created. So NFT would just be an extension of that for you, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, all the things that like that community walk, the training camp, you know, when you do like giveaways for a signed rugby jersey training yeah. gear, NFTs just become like a ticket to all those things. So yeah. like I could release, say, two one-of-one one NFTs and whoever owns that gets uh, one of my All Blacks playing jerseys that year and my All Blacks playing boots, mm. you know, and, and that smart contract or those real-life collectibles will last for years just adding little things, real life objects to the NFTs experiences. Um, I think that's where I'm trying to kind of head towards. It's just mm. a, matter, a matter of how much time I have in terms of doing like, if it's a one-on-one coaching or something like that. Yeah, mate, that's the mm. space. That's definitely the space that's going to go. And yeah. mate, your one would be worth the most what you do. Some of those sessions. Oh, I'd love to uh, be able to go on one of those. So um, the Adi <laughs> Savir gold NFT, geez, that will be going for mega bucks. Oh yeah. One dollar. One dollar. <laughs> <laughs> and you're obviously just back from your tour. Um, all the guys yeah. I've spoken to so far, had no family. They were just out there loving life on the golf course. So, mate, how hard was it for you with your lovely wife and two kids? Mm, yeah, like at the start, bro, it was like hard, like a lot of anxiety and just the unknown. Like we left the country and the country was a level four. Yeah. So, we were, you know, like you could imagine, you know, leaving your wife and the kids in, in their own house locked down. But as the time went on on tour, it, it wasn't too bad. You FaceTime the family, but I think there's a lot of stuff going on on tour that kind of keeps your mind ticking over. Mm. Um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed it, bro. I look back, bro, and it was probably the best thing that could happen for an All Blacks team, being away for 15 weeks and building the connections and yeah. and just like around that, the lads just making up fun. Mm. Uh, you know, the Albie, <laughs> Albies and Geordies, um, playing golf and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. And there were, there were times where it's tough, but um, having the lads around really helped. Did you get out on the course for a hit? Bro, terrible, bro. <laughs> nah, I haven't yet. Uh, I think I'm going to start with the basics and just play in the Miramar course with Jordy. <laughs> just get a few lessons first, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's a mini part. <laughs> yeah. Start beginner level, bro. <laughs> but your form on tour was, uh, as always, exceptional, mate. Some of the performances you put in were like always world-class um you even had the opportunity to lead the all blacks what was that experience like yeah man it was it's probably one of my highlights in my career so far brother um, yeah yeah massive massive year when i look back at it bro um i was it caught me off guard bro i was blinded by it you know like these guys in the team that i i really really respect in a high regard and so i thought like how like i didn't even think about it you know i was just like yeah let's go and then <laughs> got pulled aside and and shit my pants, bro. Like, it's <laughs> like, like shaking, bro. <laughs> um, but uh, it was it was pretty awesome experience. Uh, I learned a lot, bro, around leadership and how to kind of like uh, try and run a team and 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 the boys. Um, bro, I'm grateful I had Bears and Guz and TJ and Codes and Albs just around me, bro. They they were awesome. But um, yeah, it was a cool experience, bro. Really enjoyed it. Pretty scary at times, but yeah. Yeah, it was cool. 
What was that conversation yeah. like? Do they ask you if you want to be captain or do they just tell you that you're going to be captain? Yeah, he pretty much, uh, he goes, oh, I want you to captain this, the side. Yeah. Um, pulled me aside. But I literally thought I was in trouble. Like I got a text going, I need to catch up with you. Oh, but I was right. thinking in my head, oh shit, what have I done? <laughs> like thinking. And he was like, yeah, took me outside where the pool was and, and just kind of um, sat me down and yeah. He said they wanted me to skip the side. Yeah. Um, oh, I wasn't going to say no. Nah, you can't yeah, say yeah, no yeah, to yeah, that, yeah, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty awesome, bro. I just grateful as. Yeah. And what what's it like? How's your week changed being the captain? And what, what sort of changes? Does much change? Yeah, bro. He's, Does it? <laughs> mentally, yeah. Yeah. Like, when you rock up, like, you know, when you rock up and you're just the player, you can just worry about yourself, getting yourself ready, being nailing your role and, and whatnot. Uh, we're the leader like you you look across like the whole team making oh, sure yeah. everything's functioning like driving your leaders and what messages you want you know and um, and I struggle I struggled at that like because I struggle having like those hard you know conversations um, so just driving the team um, so a lot changes around that bro mm. uh, which is something I wasn't used to even at like drivers meetings like yeah. you know drivers meetings like around the game and the IQ around that um, it was real new to me. So, and that's where Baz kind of stepped in and mm. took over because that's his forte. And yeah, bro, it was, it was a great learning experience, bro. And just lucky I had those guys next to me. Mm. Did anything change when you're on the field or was it just once you're out on the field, it's um, business as usual? Yeah, like a lot. I learned, bro, like obviously, you know, like with myself, like, you know, penalty. Yeah, go for the corner, just jab some tries. <laughs> but but in test footy, bro, it's like it's small margins, you know. So yeah, like just the decisions around the three points and and going for the five points, um, like understanding the game and and like how to close out games and talking to the ref. Yeah, a lot of that's different, but it wasn't really like a burden for me. I just like kind of like yep, embraced mm. it, kind of thing and just went along with it. So on those penalties, yeah. is that decision the captains or the coaches send down a message or is it the game drivers? Oh, it's a mixture of both, but eventually like the captain kind of has the, you know, final, final say. say. So mm. yeah, it's a mixture of both, bro. Like sometimes I look to Baz or I look to Jordy because he can kick 70 meters. I'll be like, <laughs> yeah. mate, you got it? And you know, he's like, yeah, got it. So it's like, so it's a mixture of both, brother. Yeah. And your form, like we talked, I spoke about before, but your form was, as always, outstanding. Um, you've just been nominated for New Zealand Player of the Year, probably for the fifth mm. time in a row or something. What do you put your form down to? I don't know, man. Like, uh, <laughs> I think I'm quite like a simple man. Yeah. So, like, I try and keep things real simple for me. And w- when it, things are simple and I know what to do and my role's nailed, then I, c- I just trust my instincts and just go out there and jam, like, mm. you know, and just play. Um, so at the moment, that's been working for me. Um, next year, it may look different. It might have to evolve or change. But yeah, so far, that's kind of the formula that I've kind of been been sticking to is um, keeping things simple in my week, uh, which allows me to just go out there and express myself. Yeah, and what, what about your mindset in a carry? Because one thing that you've always been known for is your leg drive, your inability to be tackled you just keep fighting for every inch when you've got that ball so what is it what is your mindset when you are carrying that ball to be honest Trevor, i don't even know myself bro like i yeah. just i just get it and try to run as hard as i can and um you know if guys can tackle me down that's awesome 
Uh, but I just try and go and go until I get tackled. Um, yeah. I, I think it's always been in me since I was little, bro. Like I was one of the smaller flankers growing up, still considered as a small flanker. So like I've just kind of embedded that like mongrel in me that I want to prove people wrong. Mm. And I think I've just carried I've just carried that through right through my teenage years to now. So it's um yeah, so that's really kind of where I put it on. Mate, it's, I love it. I love watching you carry the ball. You just never go down. It was complete opposite to me. As soon as I was touched, I was trying to place the ball long. <laughs> no, you're you're more silk, you're more like silky just through the gadgets. <laughs> but you talked about being a little fella and um, when you're growing up. So give us a little bit more of a rundown on your life growing up. Obviously, you had your big brother who was a superstar yeah. through the grades. So how was it yeah. living with him and your family in Wellington? Yeah, but it was, it was like materially like didn't have much, but with the love and and like the care and you know family having each other's back, that was I was like we were real rich in that in that space. Um, it was only four of us, me, Jules, and mum and dad. Um, yeah, small small family. Um, but yeah, growing up, bro, it was awesome. Like we had heaps of cousins. Every Sundays would be at the park playing cricket, basketball, tennis, the whole lot. But yeah, growing up, obviously, bus kind of paved the way for me. In terms of like the the rugby side, the size he is now was the size he was was he when he was thirteen, bro. So right. I remember he was wrong a tie Nelson college games, man. He was a nightmare. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was awesome, bro. Like and um, grew up there. And probably one thing that kind of did have an effect on me, like a little bit, was obviously living in a shadow and playing in mm. the shadow. Like I wasn't, I was the smallest guy, and people just thought oh that's Julian's brother he's going to be this amazing freak but I was just like this this little scrawny skinny kid that kind of didn't have the freakish abilities yeah which I think kind of that's where I instilled like the fuck I'm gonna work hard and prove people wrong and and I think that's where it's them but but the upbringing was awesome bro like rich in love and owed pretty much everything that we have being bust to, to our parents and the things they did when we were young and getting us to games and, and sacrificing a lot, bro. So did, did you always think that you were going to be able to become a professional rugby player as like Jules? Um, it's weird, bro, because I was always in the rugby system. So like mm. I was like, yeah, never really thought professionally. Um, it wasn't until my last year of college, you know, making schools and stuff like it, you'd be like, oh, yo, that could be a, a thing or two, but kind of never re- really believed it until it happened if that makes sense. Yeah. Like always have that doubt, but when it happens, it was like, oh shit. Okay, here I go. And that yeah. first step was with New Zealand sevens. Is that right? Yeah, bro. Um, out of school into the sevens set up with Titchy. Mm. With Titch, mate. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. That was, that was tough. But, um, you know, I was, my first plane ride, bro, was when I was 18 out of college and went with sevens. So, yeah, pl- traveling to like around the world, bro, at 18 was pretty special. And yeah, from then on, it, my career just kicked off, bro. Mm. How did you find it being in that camp? Like, obviously, there's a good group of lads on that in that camp at the time, eh? So, um, how did yeah. you find that? Bro, I loved it, eh? Like, you know, when you grow, you grow up and you think like the professional rugby environment is like these like top athletes, like they're just like, yeah, they're like, you know, kings. And then you get to know them just like ordinary dudes that like yeah. to have a laugh. Yeah. play pranks you know like flip the rooms <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that so um 
but it was pretty eye-opening and um, pretty humbling to be around like Tomasi Thama and DJ Forbes, mm. you know, all those guys. Um, it was pretty cool, man. Did the guys ever prank you? I couldn't imagine the guys um, pranking you too bad. Uh, too much respect. No, nah, yeah. When I, obviously, when you're young, mate, you, you, they don't care. <laughs> you're a first year. But, you, you know, when they flip the rooms, they get your key, room key, and they flip the rooms. Yeah. Or they or they throw the sheet over you and, and beat <laughs> you up. Blanket, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the blanket, yeah. Right, I got that, mate. Did you? Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. Good games, bro. Yeah, good times. So then how, what, where, why did the sevens stop? Was that because of Super Rugby? Yeah, oh, obviously sevens and then made the Lions that yeah. following year. And then I think played my first year Lions and then got a Canes contract. And obviously, like back then, like sevens was like a stepping stone for guys mm-hmm. to kick their 15s career off. Um, so yeah, sevens kind of stopped once I made the Lions um, in the 15s game. And I love sevens, bro, because like, like that's where I kind of learned how to like just play in the wide channels, like, you know, try to do the gooseys and the steps and the, the yeah. long scucky passes. And you learn is. all those. <laughs> <laughs> and, you learn, and you learn all those kind of skill sets, bro. And it just becomes naturally part of your game. Mm. Um, so I really loved that um, about the sevens. But yeah, kind of stopped when I made um, pro footy in the 15s game. And what was it like going into that those setups in Wellington, the first Wellington Lions and then the Hurricanes? Yeah, but shooting my pads too, you know, like uh, rubbing shoulders with guys that I was watching on TV the year before. That was pretty special, bro. Like for me, it was all around like just putting my head down and earning the respect of the older guys. And, and that was mainly through action. So I hardly spoke, bro. Like, mm. I just zoop and just, like, earned the respect through mahi and my training and, and how I go about my work. Oh, you definitely did that. Was it the end of your first season with the Hurricanes where you got called in to be an apprentice for the All Blacks, the first ever? Yeah, I think 213, yeah. 213. Yeah. How was that being called in as an apprentice? And what was it like travelling with the All Blacks, <laughs> knowing you're not going to play at such a young yeah. age? Yeah, bro. It's pretty. It was a pretty funny story. Like, you know how you hear guys that get the first phone call that they've made the All Blacks. Yeah. For me, bro, it was different because that apprentice here, I was with Sass and we we're just chilling, and I got a random phone call, and it was like, "Hey, it's Darren Shan here from the All Blacks," <laughs> and I was like, "Because uh, I, you know, Jules, Jules are saying like you get a call if you made the team." So I was like, oh, "I've made it! I've made it!" I answered. I was like, "Oh yes, Darren, it's Art." And he's like. Mate, I just want to say you didn't make the All Blacks. You haven't made the squad. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then um, and then he was like, oh, but we want to take you on Apprentice. So you're officially not in the squad, but you're a part of the team. Yeah. So I like that was like an anti-climax kind of way. Yeah. And then 216, obviously, we had we won the super title this mm. last year. And then, and there'd been a lot of talk around me making the A B. So I was kind of like predicted so when i when I, my name got announced it was kind of like a yay but not not as like a, a massive announcement but it would have uh, been it would have been more like a finally for you because i mean you're it was three years after and probably could have should have made that side all three years post that apprentice year did you feel no nah, looking back bro i was probably too young and my body physically probably wasn't ready um in that space and like, you know, when you're young, you believe the media hype that you should, and there was a lot of yeah. talk. But looking back at it, bro, I, I'm grateful that I had that time to kind of develop as a, as a flanker and, and mentally as well. But yeah, that apprentice here was awesome, bro. Like, again, 
I'm rubbing shoulders with Richie McCaw and Kieran Reid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate. Like, I was lucky I had busted, you know, when you have the older bro in the team. Mm. Like, you just naturally fall into, like, you hang out with him and Ma'a and Victor, you know, the brothers. Yeah. So, um, that that was cool, man. Like, I remember going on tour and, and Steve Hansen was just like, son, I just, I just want you to not have any expectation. Just come here, enjoy yourself. Like, just experience the environment. And mm. literally, that's what I did. Just experienced it, bro. And was like a sponge. Um, enjoyed the after after games. Enjoyed the the fun and, and the beers <laughs> of the lads. Got to see how, how how some of the boys, you know, so uh, what they really the like. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, I sat in the room and I was like, oh, like I, I thought the I thought the All Blacks boys like which they are. But I thought you know it was just like like you know like, yeah. Serious. Not let your hair down. They're mm. serious, but um, seeing that was pretty like pretty eye opening, and yeah, the whole experience was cool, bro. Mate, that's cool. That one thing you spoke about before about um, when you first started, you wouldn't say a word. You just sort of sat in the back of the meetings, and you wouldn't really mm. contribute. But mate, one thing that I've noticed, which was awesome to watch throughout your career, was just the growth of you as a leader, as a as a contributor, and now your your growth. Although it wasn't. It probably wasn't natural to be a speaker. Look at you now. You're comfortable on podcasts. You host your own podcast. You've got, you're doing all these things now. So what switched for you to make that transition? Well, to be honest, man, like I still struggle with it now. Like, like, I mean, with one-on-one stuff, like yeah. it's, I find it easy, small groups easy. But if I was to stand up, like I've better this year in the last couple of years, but bro, I still kind of get like, I'm scared, like, yeah. you know, and, um, to talk but I think the massive shift I feel way more comfortable is when I kept in the All Blacks and kept in the Canes like I was not I was kind of like forced that I had to because I was mm -hmm. in this leadership position so I had to step up and I had to lead and bro once I did that it, like it was, I just realized like oh it's not that bad after all like, yeah you know but still I still um, believe in less talking and, and try and do the talking through action and i feel yeah. like that's the best way to try and earn respect mm. um so yeah i think that was a, the massive switch is being put into that leadership role and obviously when you're a leader you have to step up and lead and and that's through like talking and stuff so mm. um that was kind of the switch because i was naturally like you say i'll just chill won't say anything and just go about my money but mm. like i think at this part of my career i think it's time to just step up and lead well, I think everyone mm. still gets pretty nervous when they have to speak in front of uh, groups and things like that. But like you say, it is the more reps you do at something, eh, the more comfortable yeah. you get at it. And uh, it's just putting yourself out there initially. I know probably a little bit of fault of my own, but um, back in the day, the Canes had a lot of banter around guys who would stuff up and things like that. So probably <laughs> never helped encourage these guys to speak up, to be fair as well. Nah. You, you, you are different though. We just knew we we're just going to have a laugh, and there was no like malice to it, bro. <laughs> Sometimes you, you sit on the Canes bus going, "Please, please, I'm not on this info committee." Bro. Thankfully, Plum would usually be the one who would give us all yeah. the <laughs> easy targets, eh? Easy yeah. targets. Yeah. And talk to me a little bit more about your Canes career. You obviously incredibly successful times at the Canes. I think you've won Player of the Year pretty much every year you've played. Championship 2016, you've touched on. 2015 loss. Mate, talk to me about your Hurricanes times. Man, bro, like, 
love the club, love the brothers and the team. Um, create a lifelong friendships through just playing with the Canes, man. So it's been pretty special. Um, I guess, obviously, to have Bus there as well, um, that's even more special. And then he left and then come back and he's back in the team. So, yeah, it's pretty unreal. But, yeah, the Canes journey has been awesome, bro. I came into the team and probably around similar time with you, Jabba. And yeah. we were quite lucky to have, like, I was lucky in the Lucy's to have, like, Jack Lab, Faifili Lavavi, Victor Vito, Kali Gibbons, Brad mm. Shields, like Blade, like, bro, awesome guys, awesome rugby players, and was able to just learn off them, bro. Um, and then they kind of left, and then that's where we kind of came through. But the journey's been awesome, bro. Um, still having Cozy and seeing the likes of, like, Geordie starting to step up and, you know, his team now to to lead and all the young fellas coming through, bro. It's, um, it's pretty cool to see and, um, you know, having Petty back, it's even better too. So, yeah, yeah, just excited, bro. Still get a, still pinch myself every time I put put the jersey on. And you've seen the squads. The squads have all been named. How, are you happy with what the Hurricanes squad looks like? Yeah, 100, bro. Like a mixture of like older senior players, um, then you have a, like a little bit of experienced players and then we've got some mean as young talent coming through, bro. That, honestly, there's some freakish guys, fast, strong. It's pretty, pretty, pretty nerve wracking to see, but um, <laughs> keeps, <laughs> keeps everyone on their toes, bro. That's why you signed for four years. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get rid of me now. <laughs> Who's really impressed you? Who do you think's the next big gun? Oh, bro, from the Canes. Like, there's a few, bro. Like, just from the top of my head, like, Devin Flanders. Yeah. Um, bro, he's 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 a beast. Uh, Braden Wissi from one or two. Um, you know, the likes of Ruben Love. Um, mm. Those those young brothers coming through is pretty awesome. And, yeah, those those three. And Billy, Billy Prox. Yeah. Yeah, unsung hero, bro. Mm. Quiet dude, but just... Like I said, like just goes about as a mahi. Yeah. And, you know, I love that, bro. Yeah, well, good. Looking forward to the year from the Canes. Hopefully we can get another championship sorted. But yeah. one one thing that happened in your career was uh, when you withdrew from the Olympics, one big decision mm-hmm. in your career. Talk to me about that one yeah. and how hard that decision was. Yeah. So it's um, like, you know, obviously I wanted to go to the Olympics, had to play four tournaments, and then I played in that Wellington Sydney one. Yeah, so... You know, that was the goal, bro. Like, you know, had Sunny, Rico, Aki, the mm. brothers. I was like, okay, we'll all go. Um, and it got to those two tournaments, bro. And Titch was only putting me on for like 30 seconds, a minute each game. Yeah. But like those four tournaments was meant for me to get game time and, and get a, get the flow going. So I was like in Wellington getting like 30 seconds <laughs> a game. It's a Sydney still coming off the beach. And I was like, ah, like, I love the I love the brothers, but like you know, I came here to like you know make a stamp. And but at the time that I came back to the Canes after Wellington Sydney, obviously that was in two sixteen, bro. So our team was hissing, playing mean. Um, I happened to be playing pretty good, and then I just kind of asked my agent like, bro, I'd like to just play fifteens and and stay. Um, and then I made that decision, bro. Uh, they were trying to get me to stay, but I didn't want to like. Yeah, come on for a minute each game, I, you know, and and obviously the Canes was going well, so I yeah. decided to to stick around. And lucky, luckily, I did, bro, because we won the ship that year. And 
it was an awesome year, bro. So yeah, that's how I came about my decision and why I kind of chose to to stay with the 15s game. True, it's interesting. So there's no pressure from the New Zealand Rugby Union around all promises nah. from the All Blacks. That was just all. Nah, nah that was just that's just all like perception. But like, nah, nah, I heard nothing. I just wanted to stay with the Canes because we were playing mean and I was really enjoying my footy. Yeah. But like you say, your decision did pay off because then you were, you did make the All Blacks and going into the environment yeah. then, what was it like? Yeah, bro. <laughs> it was pretty awesome, bro. I think it was me, Elliot Dixon and Liam Squire all oh, coming yeah. in as yeah. newbies. So that was cool, bro. Um, like I did with the Canes, bro, just, just a sponge, quiet, just try to earn the respect of the brothers just through what I do. Um, so yeah it was pretty cool man yeah I, I guess you've heard around the meetings that we go into like you just you sit there like shaking because <laughs> you don't know if he's going to ask you yeah. to speak or questions like that so no, is was, it still is it still like that yeah a little bit yeah yeah, yeah a little bit uh, you know through reviews and stuff you know the boys <laughs> getting asked questions and stuff like that I yeah. think for me I've gone gotten better because I've been in the team for a little bit now so yeah I'm used to you know so but as a young fella you know like yeah. <laughs> Not looking at him, please don't ask me, please don't ask me. <laughs> was that, what was the hardest thing about the transition to becoming an All Black what, from Super Rugby? I think the hardest thing back then, if, I, if I'm if i really honest, bro, was um, obviously at the Canes, it was more free-flowing around the game structure. Yeah. Play, like, you know, we were able to just jab, you know, like give the ball one-on-ones where the ABs, like as a Lucy, it was just like at that time, was around just cleaning rucks yeah and and that stuff and don't don't get me wrong i love cleaning rucks and it's part of my job but i wasn't able to do the stuff that i was good at so mm. that was the hardest transition and and trying to like change my game to fit a certain mold yeah so i, I think looking back like that was probably the hardest kind of thing for me and the transition around that is that just because it was so structured the game plan that you were trying to play yeah well like you look at the um all blacks always the, the seven jersey was pretty much based around like the goat rich yeah richie and you know and then you have someone like me who's trying to do scucky long balls or step step <laughs> whack <laughs> you know and, and, and you get told mate cut that out just clean rucks um, <laughs> um you know so um looking back bro like actually doing that stuff really helped my game because i was able to like get really good at the the basic stuff like, you know mm. that like that the little stuff that that matters um but yeah it was hard at first to kind of get used to that so now the role is suited around your style of play oh probably not it's it's way more the structure is way more um oh, still the same actually still the same <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't even know what i'm saying eh? but like it feels like there's a bit more kind of freedom to express yourself within the game plan if that makes yeah. sense yeah Nice. And talk to me about the Rugby World Cup, a huge moment going to the Rugby World Cup, obviously a dream of yours to represent the All Blacks yeah. at a Rugby World Cup. How was that experience? Well, it was pretty, um, like, you know, there's a lot of hype around it, talk around it. But when you're actually in it, bro, like, it kind of just feels like like another kind of game. Like, you mm. kind of, the mindset's like, you don't try and build that hype in your head. Um, but the experience, bro, of being in Japan, you couldn't even walk out the door of the hotel because it was just packed. Yeah. Like just the whole the whole atmosphere was unreal, bro. Um, especially in Japan. They they love their 40, like true fans over there. But yeah, in terms of the the games, it was just like the mindset was like it's another game. 
week by week. And that was it. And once we reached like the quarters, and you know, it was just each game's a final. And obviously it was pretty shit that we lost the semis yeah. to England. Um, but luckily enough, we, we get to go again in 23. And hopefully, you know, we make the squad and, and, and try and rectify it again, bro. 100%. And one mm. thing that happened was you ripped the... The goggles, first first time wearing yeah. the goggles, one of the one of the <laughs> coolest things that I've seen on the rugby field for a while. I remember watching oh. that game. We, I was at the stadium when you wore them, and I just remember seeing guys like pull on them and like slap it across the back of your head. And I was like, oh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> oh, bro. Oh, but after I wore them, and then the next week I did it, bro, all my boys were like, don't ever be the biggest build ups. <laughs> I was just like, uh, but yeah, but when I wore them, like it was the worst place to try them out because of the yeah. humidity in Japan. Like it was crazy. And then I wore them in the game because like I was like doubting it. I was like, oh shit, what are people going to think? And But like the boys are like, nah, it's good. But as soon as bro, I was like over, like just bridging over a rock. <laughs> the, Namib- the Namibia dude grabbed it, bro, just like pulled it. And I looked up and <laughs> he was just like smiled at me, bro. Like just ran off and like, I was like, fuck, these guys are messing with my head. So that's how I took it off, bro, and just threw it. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So good. <laughs> yeah. So then they're not going to make a comeback? Uh, if they find a way where it can stay on your head and it's, like, comfortable in, in the contact area, bro, I'd wear them, like, yeah. to protect my eye. But at the moment, like, with just the strap, Mm. It's just real easy to like just move around. <laughs> like you're playing in your your face is like <laughs> like scrunched up. <laughs> oh, so good. Did you think about trialing them before the World Cup? Was that ever a thought? Or did you think it was gonna be uh, all good to just wear it at the World Cup? Well, I didn't know about the goggles until like the pool games in the World Cup. Yeah. Cause I was I was just like I knew I had problems with my left eye. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't until real cut. I was like doing this to my eyes. And I realized that this was real blind. Like I can't see. Like you oh, go all right. blurry when I see you. Then I just happened to bro, open my mouth to Doc. And then Doc was like, we're all serious. And was like, did all this research. And I was like, mate, you need to wear these goggles. Because pretty much like my left eye, it can't get any better. Um, so if if I get a knock to the side, I could potentially be blind. True. So that was what he was saying. He's like, bro, you got to protect that. Got to protect. And I was like, mate, I've been playing like this all good. He's like, no, you got to wear it. Got to wear it. Try it. And then he spoke to <laughs> Steve. And Steve was like, son, you, you know, you got to wear this. So it's a great example for young players and a lot of the people you inspire. Yeah. So as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, for the people. <laughs> and then wore it. Fuck. Uh, wore it, bro. Um, yeah, so tried them and didn't work out as well as I would like. But if there were better ones, definitely, bro, definitely try it. Did your left eye get damaged from an incident in rugby? Uh, it's from rubbing too much. So my cornea, it's like scratched. So like you think of a windscreen and there's like mm. a crack, crack in the middle of it. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. So it's from like, because like, you know how you get hay fever bad? Yeah. You probably yeah. heard me in meetings like yeah. sniffing my nose and stuff. And it's from rubbing my eyes. True. And I just scratched it. Yeah. Too strong. (laughs) (laughs) There is cons to being super strong. Uh, But off off the rugby field, obviously 
there was a time where you did decide that it was time to sort of, did you consciously decide that it was time to grow your brand when you started to bring out the podcast and the, the clothing brand? How did that sort of come about? Yeah, it's real weird, bro. Like I remember starting sevens and Instagram just came out Yeah, and it was like, you know, I was like, oh, you're, I'll just contract, post the photo. Um, and organically throughout my career, bro, as Instagram got bigger, my career just kind of went from sevens, lions, canes. Mm. So it just kind of just slowly, I just slowly built like organically without even knowing that brand. And I, I kind of, the podcast wasn't around like building my brand. It was more around probably the same as you, Jabba, around like just having a space where athletes can come and actually be themselves mm. and talk around stories to fans um, instead of going to media that kind of write and twist the words a little bit. Yeah. Um, but like starting the podcast just in turn happened to build the brand without even knowing um, the clothing side of things, bro. It was more like I, I, I like was watching Kanye West and his Yeezy brand and was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I might start my own brand. And I thought I was pretty gangster, you know, when I was 18. So I um, started that more so because I just wanted to own my own kind of thing. Yeah. Didn't know it was like a business at the time. Yeah. But I just wanted to like be in control of something. And then without even knowing that kind of just grew as I grew throughout my career and as a man and just learning about business. So like it wasn't necessary. The reason wasn't necessary to start to build the personal brand. It was just mm. like to do it because out of my interest and the result of that was just around like my brand just organ organically kind of grew if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Eh? So how does your clothing brand work now when you're on tour and stuff? Who who runs the yep. ship? Is that all your wife? Yeah. Yes. So I do all the creative stuff, like the designing. Um, I try and draw it and then put it into digital form um, and then get it all sent over. And then SAS does all the logistical side, like so the emails, the making sure, all the little niggly stuff that yeah. sometimes I don't really <laughs> like to do. Yeah. Um, emails, she does that. And I do the creative side. She does the cons and all that. And while I'm on tour, bro, it's easy for me just to, at nighttime, just sit there and just like write ideas, draw ideas. Mm. Yeah. So that's pretty much how it works, bro. Nice and simple. Still mm. kind of, still trying to learn how to grow and scale it. Mm. Um, but, you know, all in good time. What's been the hardest thing about um, running your own business? Um, I reckon for me right now, bro, is learning how to like scale it, like, we're, we're in a position where our stuff goes pretty quick, which is cool, but then it's like, what's next? How can we mm. scale it bigger so it grows and the brand grows? Um, that's probably the, the hardest thing at the moment is like we're just making stuff, like deciding on we'll do this hoodie or like five hoodies and this, but financially, is it the right thing in terms mm. of you know investing it? Stuff yeah. like that, bro. So just challenging is still understanding that. I think over the summer we'll have time to kind of talk to the right people and and hopefully learn and grow. Is it just you and your wife working for you? No, nah, we have um, Joseph, who's uh, one of the all-sorts that run Uncommon. We store all our stuff there and then he kind of does all like the middle stuff that we miss. So he he's crucial to us too, bro. And mm. he helps also, um, helps me kind of um, do the designs as well. Mate, that's exciting. Looking forward to seeing it scale and grow to yeah. the empire it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, bro. Hopefully, all good if it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
another thing you've been big on throughout your rugby career is you've been a big advocate for mental health. You've mm. always been open to sharing your stories, um, giving other people a platform to share theirs. What's been the biggest learnings throughout your rugby career around mental health? Any any sort of advice? Um, I don't know if it's advice, but like what kind of works for me is I like to just do stuff that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, in terms of um, finding what that is, is just trying things, different things that you're interested in. And if you get that feeling of like, man, this is awesome, and then do more of it and do mm-hmm. less of the things that upset you or, or puts you in a shit mood. Um, so that's like one of the things that I do. So one thing I love to do, bro, is coffee connects, like going to cafes and one of these, texting the lads to go for coffee. Um, that's pretty cool. You're able to just sit there, talk, not nothing about rugby. But yeah, I think a big thing for me, bro, is um, at this stage is like getting myself right and making sure my family's happy and everything's all good. Because if that's like when that's sorted, bro, I'm able to do all this other stuff. Yeah. And in a, in a good manner. Yeah. That's so true. And how is the family? How are, how are your beautiful kids now? Yeah, they're good, bro. Like my son's turned one in October, just right. started walking like last week. Yeah. So, you know, I watched that over over FaceTime. Like my daughter's, she's growing older. Her birthday's in December. Um, but yeah, the kids are getting older, bro. And yeah, so I've seen them tomorrow. So I'm holding up, bro. I'm holding it. Mate, they're going to be stoked. Dad, <laughs> dad, <mate. laughs> yeah. And what are your plans going forward? You obviously signed with New Zealand Rugby Union for four years. Plans on and yep. off the field. What have you got? Um, Man, I like obviously is to keep fit over the summer, but obviously the ultimate goal is to be available and play for the Canes, win a championship with them, with the yeah. brothers, and then obviously make the All Blacks and just have a, a powerful year in a positive way, bro. Um, that's kind of my goal. And then off-field, bro, is just to keep working at making sure my family's all good and I'm all good, and then uh, just keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully create a gateway for players and and people just to 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 navigate and um yeah there's a lot of things that i want to do bro sometimes mm. it's a bloody it's a bad thing because there's too much stuff on my table but yeah. um still, yeah still learning bro you are such a lad at just hearing those goals oh gets me excited <laughs> anyway mate we've gone to our instagram for some question as always and yeah. well the man himself when he comes on brings in plenty of questions we've got heaps uh first Are you question sure? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I do say that to everyone, but mate, you all black legend, <laughs> you have actually got heat. Yeah, I've, I've just chosen maybe I've chosen about 10. Will the Pirates ever cool. win the mini team tournament? 100 percent 100 This is their year. Chrono <laughs> uh, <laughs> sent that one and he's obviously sick of seeing the pirates <laughs> struggle in the uh, mini team comp at the canes. Chrono rigs the mini team challenges. <laughs> he rigs it. Too many quizzes for the pirates, he reckons. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. <laughs> okay. What leaders have been an inspiration to your leadership style? Um, I'd say Cozy. He's a man with few words, yeah, uh, and just goes hard and leads by action. And another one is uh, Paddy Toops, yeah, yeah. Like I love the way he's as again, just quiet but goes about his work. And the probably biggest one was Kieran Reid, just around mm-hmm. how he operated under pressure and how he delivered messages. Um, that was pretty cool. 
Mate, nice. Three good options there. Okay, any tips for crypto? To be honest, bro, I've just started investing like two, three weeks ago. Oh, true, yeah. Um, Yeah, Um, but yeah, funny, man. Like TJ was telling us to do it 15 weeks ago, but Mm. like, you know, that kind of feeling of nah, nah. Then obviously, yeah. Uh, I didn't probably have any advice, man. Um, I just kind of invested in Bitcoin and Ethereum at the moment. Yeah. And just kind of been um, putting in like a, a small amount that I'm comfortable with once a week. And yeah. Just kind of let, let it see where it goes. Nice. Um, yeah. Not not an expert. I think the best person to ask would be TJ. He's he's a guru at this at, at the moment. He loves it. Eh? Yeah, he was right yeah. into it over in Japan. Yeah, that's right. Okay, next one. If you could choose one player to come across to the Canes, who would it be? Um, from a super team? Anywhere. Anywhere. But I'd go just just because I've just seen his highlights and he looks like a beast. Josh Tuisova. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On yeah. the wing. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Here you go, mate. Go there, mate. Yeah. Right, he is a beast, eh? He's not very tall, eh? Just built absolute. Yeah, I, I've never ball. seen him before. I've never seen him before, bro. Mm. But um, obviously, Bus played off of him. When I hear Bus saying, "He's the real Bus," <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a real Bus, so must mean something. Yeah, shit, yeah. Okay, next one. Who would be the last man standing in an MMA battle in the All Blacks? Ooh. Damn. It'll be one of the front rowers. I'd take it. Um, I'd, uh, surely. I don't know. Surely. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you'd, have a, know. you'd have a mean choke out. Nah, bro. I remember I'll those wrestling probably... sessions of preseason. You were, you were good. <laughs> no way. I'm just a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, MMA. Mm. Until, yeah, probably nipple. Oh, yeah, nipple, just so nipple. strong. Yeah, Aki, Aki, because he's tall and yeah, got the long reach. Mm. Yeah, nice. Okay, next one. How many people have fallen for the dummy? Um, every single one of them. <laughs> I can't count. <laughs> What's the story behind the dummy? Oh, mate, I've, I've been doing that since I was at first 15, yeah, at school. And it's funny because Salisi, he always gives me shit about it because obviously he used to watch me at school and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. bro, <laughs> he's, he's seen it. Um, but yeah, people don't understand like the, the reasoning why I do it. But um, yeah, I reckon people fall for it. People fall for it. When, when you say the reasoning for you do it, what is that? <clears throat> yeah. So like, even though I dummy and people don't do that one, then like, yeah. it's a huge gap. For me, it's like when I dummy, it creates that like split second pause. Even mm. if they don't go, it creates them to go bang. Uh, yeah. And that's all I that's all I need for them to go bang. And then I'm able to try and go and attack a weak shoulder. Mm, there yeah. we go. That'll, yeah. that'll clarify it for the, for the listeners. Eh? Everyone's I just expecting my... someone to go chasing it with their eyes. Eh? <laughs> now I'm going to do it. Someone's just going to go bang. Smash me down. <laughs> Okay, next question. How loose was it partying with the Panthers after the premiership? Yeah, um, but they, they had been on like, that was like their fourth day celebrating. So they were quite like mellow, just chilling out. 
But yeah, the lads, our lads are like excited. They went hard. Me and Teach went drinking wood. We drove the van. Oh, yeah. Because they're about an hour away or half an hour away from us. So our lads were like pumping, going hard because we had the week off. Yeah. Um, but the Pampers boys were quite just like, you know, when you're on the fourth day on the person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they were pretty, they, they weren't too bad actually. Yeah. And did you manage to have a conversation with any of them? Did you manage to get to meet many of those guys? Yeah, heaps, bro. It was crazy, bro. Like, and how um, in awe they were of the All Blacks and yeah. how a lot of their stuff, they based it off, off the All Blacks. And sure. we were, like, pretty much saying the same. Like, how yeah. we, like, admire you guys and what you guys are doing. And them, like, you know, when they celebrate their try scoring and, mm. you know, like, real authentic. So um, it was pretty cool, bro. And, um, like again, just like normal dudes, just like mm, us. Yeah, that just happen to be gangsters on the field. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. You've obviously shut the gate on playing in our round. Yeah, now. it was a, it was something that you were looking at for a while there. How do you feel about that situation? Yeah, yeah bro. Like obviously, like in two nineteen, like post two nineteen, I kind of came across my mind to give it a crack, um, just something different um, and freshen up. But then I got injured in real cup, and, mm. and, and it took me out for the season. So. That was kind of scratched. Um, and then my mindset just shifted to just playing footy and playing rugby. But I always had wanted to. And like kind of that reason was to kind of represent the Torsa more because mm. obviously the eligibility rules are different in league. Um, so that was kind of the whole reasoning and also just trying league and, and giving it a crack. Mm. Mm. Well, that goes on to the next question a little bit. Is thoughts on Jules playing for Samoa. So I'm guessing you've shut the gate on playing for Samoa now too with this four-year deal pretty much. Um, but Jules yeah. has still got the option to give it a go. Yeah. Um, I haven't really spoken to him about it, but he would, he would probably say the same thing. Like if he um, if he was good enough and he was playing good footy to represent the blue jersey, then that'd be an option. But yeah, I'm not too sure what, what the bro wants to do. It makes sense to, 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 to go and, and try and play, uh, but I'm not too sure. In regards to myself, bro, I'm signed to 25. You never know. I guess if the, the stand down of three years changes to less. Yeah. Um, potentially. Potentially. But um, yeah, stick around in New Zealand for a bit. Mm. But you've met, sort of mentioned Moana Pacifica at the start. Is that something yeah. that really interests you to make that switch to that side? Yeah. Or like that's why I had that clause in my super yeah. rugby contract, which is to keep my options open. Mm. Not saying I'll go, um, you know. Love the canes, but it was just to keep my options open. And if if it was the right time, then potentially would, mm. and just go, you know, and and play my part. And and if I was good enough, but um, yeah, it's more to it's it's an option. It's an mm. option. Yeah, if you were good enough, <laughs> of course you. Yeah, of course you're yeah. good enough. <laughs> uh, you never know. You never know what happens in a year or two. It's uh, Jabba. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Adi Savir's best advice. Best advice. Holy shit. Um, this will be good, mate. You're an inspiring man. I'm going to say it, but I, I kind of got it from one of the brothers um, that kind of told it to me and it kind of like inspired me. It was be unapologetically you. Um, yeah. If people don't like it, then they don't like it. Um, if they vibe with you, they vibe with you. But um, Rico, Rico said that to me. And I like really, I really, really like, I'm like, yeah, I like that. So that's and you, one live, advice. you live by that too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just try and be me, bro. And yeah. 
Mm. That would look cool, cool on one of your t-shirts too, actually. I like that one. Yeah, I've just got to uh, run it past Riggs and how much percentage he wants from it <laughs> from the sales. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's too too busy invested in that dodgy DVD store that we pranked him on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard it, Oh, mate, absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Stoked to be able to get you on and go through your journey, mate. You're an absolute legend. Someone I love playing with, um, someone who's inspired me so much throughout my footy career and post-footy career as well. So, mate, it's awesome to have you on. And you're still right at the top of your game with a huge future ahead. So, mate, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving up your time. Thanks, Jabba. Appreciate you, my brother. Proud of you, man. Inspiring all of us too. Mate, what a lad. You're a legend. Let's go. What a lad, what a lad, what a lad, what an absolute lad.